everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today, the title for uh, this session is Consecrating the Clock. And I want to ask a simple question. How can time, or rather our approach to time, be fuel for our worship? Is it possible for our diary to become a vehicle for praise? And we're going to look at a couple of ways that we can do that today. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. If you tune in week after week, thank you again for tuning in. And as far as possible, uh, every Tuesday, we just come together, maybe over a cup of coffee or tea, maybe in traffic or, or at the gym. And we just spend about 10 minutes or so speaking about something, anything, that may help us become more like Jesus. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on, and let's get into it. Again, we're going to go back to the seven days of creation. We know when God creates the universe, three things are created. All matter is created, all space is created, and all of time was created by God. These three things were created to be the framework of our entire universe. But equally, we also know because of Paul's writings that all things exist for Christ, through Christ, and to Christ. And so in a sense, these three things should all be fuel for our worship, all matter, all space, and all of time. When it comes to matter, we can kind of grasp that. We can create things that give glory to God, whether it's a, 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 a words on a page, a sermon, whether it's music, whether it's um, art, whatever it is. We can build things, create things that give glory to God. When it comes to space, our places, it might be more difficult, but we are called to be cultivators of space. And we spoke about that a few weeks ago in the podcast entitled Making Space. However, when it comes to time, when last did we ask the question, how is my time fuel for my worship? In other words, how can I consecrate the clock? When it comes to time, we can feel as though our hands are tied because time marches on whether we want it to or not. Time moves forward, and for some reason, the older you get, the faster it seems to move. How can we engage with this third aspect of creation and turn it into worship? What does it mean to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, specifically with regards to the way we engage with time? How do we fit it all in? Well, number one, I want to talk about what I call a seventh-day posture. Again, in Genesis chapter 1, we see God create everything in time increments. Day 1 ends, and there is this phrase that there was morning and there, there was evening and there was morning the first day. Day 2 ends the same way. There was evening and morning the second day. Day 3, 4, 5, and 6 all end the same way. There is a full stop at the end of that day's activities. There is an end to every day from day 1 to 6. And then in day 7, God says, uh, this is what we read, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. No full stop. No, and there was evening and morning the seventh day. There's something about the seventh day that was supposed to filter through into every other day from this one. The poet here is trying to tell us that something about time after the seventh day of creation was forever tied to the idea of Sabbath and rest. We were created to live out of this restful relationship with God, not just one day a week, but his idea is that every day is supposed to be influenced by the Sabbath. The other thing about this is that God, when he chooses where he's going to dwell in this new creation, where, where can we find him? 
He doesn't choose an object. He doesn't say, if you want to find me, go and rub the belly of this statue or, 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 or go, and, uh, go, go and kneel before this altar. No, he doesn't choose a space either. He doesn't say, hey, in all of creation, if you want to find me, go to this geographical location. Instead, God chooses a time. Every other religion in the world have gods attached to either spaces or temples, matter, idols, or statues. Yet God rejects that notion and says in Genesis 1 and 2, if you want to find me, come to day 7. God positions himself in a time, not a place. What he's not saying is that you can only meet me one day a week. What he's saying is that any time you live out of a Sabbath reality, you will experience my presence. Then we know it gets forgotten in slavery in Egypt. But when the Exodus happens, the Sabbath idea is, is formalized in the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath is the bridge between the commandments about God and the, the commandments about people. In a very real way, God was kind of saying, you'll struggle to love me and you'll struggle to love others if you don't Sabbath. It becomes part of the rhythm of the Jewish world. God wants them to understand this to the extent where it's not just a Sabbath once a week. Every seven years, there's, there's the celebration and the Jubilee. You have a year-long restoration party. Again, though, this is forgotten in a line of broken kings through exile, and that is until Jesus comes. And then Jesus, as he so often does, he flips it on its head. And then he says two things. In Luke chapter 6, verse 5, he says, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then in 4.19, he says, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what he does is Jesus ties his identity to time, and he ties his mission to time as well. And so both his identity and mission become connected to time. He was referring to the concept of the year of Jubilee, and this was uh, not the year, uh, this wasn't the year of Jubilee, but something about the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection, would again change the nature of time. He was saying something similar to what Genesis says that, that all of life from that point on would be lived out of a place of him, his, his restructuring, reforming of Sabbath. And I wanted to paint all of this, the, the, the journey of Sabbath, because if we want to consecrate the clock, it means a few things in light of the above. Number one, we have to learn that we live out of rest. As we've mentioned, Sabbath is not just a one day a week thing. It's about a lifestyle that affects every day of the week. I know many other people have said this, and, and we, we need to understand it, that we don't rest from work, we work from rest. This is true. However, for many of us, this is a luxury we don't feel like we have. We work ourselves silly until we can't keep going, and then we rest out of necessity. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, this is exactly the mindset God was trying to break. They were slaves. All they'd known was work, 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 and then when you fall, when you break, you rest until you can work again. But God was saying, no, you are no longer slaves. You are not machines. We work hard when it's time to work, but, when, but work is not the defining thing about who we are. Sabbath is the start of the week. Sabbath is the beginning. We live out of rest. We work out of rest. We can work hard because we have rested. We don't work hard because one day rest will come. So number one, we live out of rest. Number two, don't get distracted. Second thing I want to just talk into here is the concept of distraction. Distraction for me is one of the schemes of the enemy that, that finds its place in time. Because what it does is it divides our attention in the moment. When I'm listening to a sermon and, and I'm taking notes on my phone, sometimes what happens is a message will come through. And I look at the message and quickly perhaps try and reply to it or, or whatever the case is. 
And then before you know it, what's happened is I've replied to 10 messages. I've had a whole conversation. 10 minutes of the sermon has gone and I've missed a third of what God is saying. What happened? What happened was a simple message distracted me from what God was doing in the room. If we want to concentrate, consecrate the clock, if we want to help our time become fuel for worship, I would argue that we have to eliminate distractions. We have to live undistracted. And then lastly, we need to understand the rhythm. So if num point number one is we live out of rest, point number two is we mustn't get distracted. Point number three is we need to learn the rhythm of grace because all life is lived to some rhythm. Some of us have a crazy rhythm. You know, you look at your diary and you realize, hey, there is no space. There's no breathing room. Some of us have a rhythm where we're dancing to the beat of someone else's drum. But the one who loves you the most and knows what is best for you has said that there is a rhythm of grace available for us. And we are to live out of this rhythm of grace. So the third point really is just asking the question, who is determining your rhythm? Are you living at a rhythm that you feel is necessary to keep up with the Joneses? Are you living in a rhythm where you feel like, hey, I've got to make sure I don't miss out on anything or my kids don't miss out on anything? What, are we, what rhythm are we living our lives to? And so if we want to see our time being used as worship, I'm sure there are a number of other things we can mention. There are so many other ideas that might come to you even now as we talk about it. But let's just pause here and ask this. What does Sabbath look like to you? What does rest look like to you? What place does it have in your life? Number two, what distracts you? What causes a division in your attention and focus? And number three, what rhythm are you dancing to? What rhythm are you living to? Because if we want to see our time as fuel for worship, if we want to experience the presence of God in our time, I would argue that we need to understand these three things in greater measure. And so I pray that this has encouraged you and inspired you that this week you are going to experience the Sabbath rest of God, the presence of God in every moment of your day. Have an amazing week and we will see you same time, same place next week. <music>